everyone. It's Gloria, and welcome to episode seven of Miss Independent. It is also the last episode of season one, but fear not, I have plenty of content planned for season two. The purpose of season one was to give you and me an overview of how to get our finances in order. So let me begin by summarizing what we covered during this season. The first thing you should do is to get an understanding of your current financial position by finding out your net worth. From there, understand your spending trends by tracking your expenses and using that data, create a spending plan or a flexible budget. After that, you should begin to set aside some money for an emergency fund. Even having $1,000 set aside for unexpected things is better than nothing. Then focus on paying down high interest debt and find out your credit score while you're at it. After that, if there's any large purchase you're planning on making in the near future, save for that. You can do this in a regular savings account or a tax-free savings account. Everyone should open up a TFSA to earn that tax-free income. A key is to automate that saving. Put some away with each paycheck. This way, you're not missing the money and it will automatically grow over time. After that's done, start saving for retirement through a TFSA or RRSP. Take a look at your current financial situation and decide which is better for you. Again, automate these savings. Once that's set up, work on paying down lower interest debt and save for other goals, like vacation or a canoe, whatever floats your boat. It's a good idea to have financial goals set so you have something to work towards little by little. Setting financial goals helps keep you focused and motivated to achieve them. Writing your financial goals down on paper directs you to really think about what you want and how to hold yourself accountable. It's also easier to figure out how to get there when you have it written down somewhere. I've linked a handy flowchart I found on Reddit in the show notes that helps guide you with regard to what the next step to take is. To wrap up the season, today we're going to be talking about emergency funds, avoiding bank fees, and short to midterm investing for those financial goals. My guest and I will be talking about what an emergency fund is, how to set one up, different types of bank accounts, how to find the right bank account for you, as well as investing for short to medium term and some safe places to put your money. Hope you enjoy. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, my friend Vicky. Uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am in my mid-20s. I work as a consultant at a software company in Toronto. A fun fact about me is that I really like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> What's a good meal that you've had recently? Um, I've had some pretty good sushi recently. Splurge much on meals, so nothing expensive, but I had good sushi recently. Nice. I miss sushi. What is your relationship with money? I think I do keep tabs on my money a lot. Like I'm very cautious about how I spend my money. And also I think it comes from being like very financially independent while in university. I think money just plays a huge part in how I make decisions. And I guess I'm very money conscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Do you budget? Sort of. I think I do like a loose budget where I don't let myself spend over a certain amount per month. But that kind of changes. I don't really like budget ahead of time, be like, I need to buy this in mm -hmm. the next month or so or the next two months. I don't think it's a perfect budget, but I think it's on its way there. 
Yeah, I think it's really good that you have a good handle on your money. So, I mean, sounds like you know what's going on in your bank account. And I think that's the most important thing. Today's topics to wrap up the season are emergency funds, short to midterm investing, and also some things to consider when choosing a bank account. Let's start off by talking about emergency funds. Vicky, do you have an emergency fund? I do. I think it could be better because I think it's more of just this amount of money I'm keeping in an account that I don't touch that I use for emergencies, but I'm not maintaining it in any way. What do you mean? So it's kind of just like your savings account or something? Yeah, like a separate savings account that I'm not adding to. The interest rate is pretty low and I can just let it sit there. And that's that's what I call my emergency fund. Okay. And so how many months of expenses do you think you would be able to cover with that? I think it would be about four. And then if I can stretch it, maybe five, six. Yeah, that's perfect. An emergency fund is basically something that you would have to cover any unexpected, necessary, and urgent expenses. So it's perfect that you have a separate savings account just for those things because I think a lot of people do just have cash in their savings account, but that's kind of their regular savings account and they don't have a separate one. So I think it's really good that you have a separate one. What are some things that you think you would use it for? I would say like, especially with COVID, say if I lost my job, I needed to cover my monthly expenses. I pay rent, I have to pay utilities, insurance, any food expenses during that time. Yeah, any of my monthly expenses for sure. And then maybe if I just have other expenses that occur on top of that. Yeah, exactly. The main thing to remember is the emergency fund can cover anything that's A, unexpected, B, necessary and C, urgent. So that could yeah, involve if you have lack of income due to job loss or if you have something like your car breaks down. Just so that you can avoid using high interest debt, things like credit cards or payday loans, which will probably get you down like a darker, worse hole of debt. <laughs> yeah. It's a good idea to budget out your expenses and see what your monthly fixed expenses are, including debt repayments, and take that into account when you save around three to six months worth of expenses. And ideally, you would have it in a high interest savings account, which we will be talking about a little later. What percentage of Canadians do you think have an emergency fund? I would think less than majority, maybe like 37%. That's a very specific number. <laughs> well, per the 2019 Canadian Financial Capability Survey, actually 64% oh. of Canadians have an emergency fund. I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> I know. We're doing great. So that's sufficient to cover three months worth of expenses. I think that's pretty good. It, it is over the majority of people, which is pretty awesome. In order to set it up, it's pretty simple. The first step is to create and analyze your monthly budget to see what you can afford to put aside in savings. This is if you're starting from scratch. And then set aside a certain amount each month or each paycheck to go towards your emergency fund. And it's a good idea to set it up in a high interest savings account or a high interest savings account within a tax-free savings account. Also, just disconnect it from your debit card so you won't spend it. 
And it's important to create a savings goal and to stick to it. The easiest way would be to automate these payments. So if you're setting it up from scratch, then you would just automate putting a certain amount from every paycheck or once a month, and then you can just watch it grow. I personally bank with Tangerine, and there's this new function where you can set up a savings goal and it helps automate these payments. So basically you set how much you want to put aside every month and then what account you want to take it from, you set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. I bank with Tangerine too. So maybe I'll, I'll set something with that up because right now I'm not doing anything to like my savings accounts other than me manually moving money in. And so now let's talk about the interest rate. So you said that the interest rate is not that high. Is it 0.2% right now? I believe so. It was in a GIC before, and then I think it's moved over to a saving, like a regular savings account now. Okay. So what you can do is call them and ask them if they can give you the promotional interest rate. Because I know that for new customers, they're giving 2.5% and they may not be able to give you that high of a percentage rate, but they might be able to boost it for a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Or you can set up an account with EQ Bank which um, I mentioned in an earlier episode, and they have a 1.7% interest rate, which I think is like one of the best interest rates you can get like on a regular bank account. They don't have TFSAs, but this would just be like a regular savings account. And they also don't have a debit card. So it actually makes it easier to like not spend from this account. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was actually considering the EQ Bank after that episode. Oh, really? Yeah, use my referral code. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I don't like paying bank fees. So, like, banks that don't have fees with a high interest is just juicy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So, I came across this website called highinterestsavings.ca, and they have a chart that has basically all of the banks and then their current interest rates. So, you can also peruse that and see what suits your needs. Oh, and it's Canadian as well. Mm-hmm. Which is very handy. The Government of Canada Financial Consumer Agency also has a bank account comparison tool, and I'll link it in the show notes. And it's actually pretty helpful because you can customize your search so that you find a bank account that suits your needs. For example, where you live, if you need a checking or savings account, if you need it in Canadian dollars, US dollars, and if there's any other criteria that apply to you, like if you're student or if you're a newcomer, it's a pretty comprehensive list. And I would say if you're looking for a new bank account, it would be helpful to visit that as well. Vicky, what's the difference between a checking account and a savings account? So a checkings account, I think for most banks don't have a interest rate, although for Tangerine, another plug, they do have an interest rate that they actually give you money on your checkings account, if I remember correctly. But for savings accounts, you usually get a higher interest rate mm-hmm. than what you would get on checking accounts since, I mean, checking accounts is usually 0% interest rate. And then also checking accounts most of the time don't have a limit on the number of transactions. You would want to use your checking accounts for like more of your daily, monthly spend and stuff. And then your savings account, like what it says, more for saving rather than spending money out of your savings account. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think another thing to note is that 
it's easier access to your money through a checkings account because usually it's linked with a debit card. So then you can use it to pay for things or to get cash pretty easily. Yeah. You only bank with EQ Bank and Tangerine, right? TD as well. Do you have like that bank account at TD where you keep $5,000 and then you get a rebate on your TD credit card and stuff like that as well? Mm, Yeah, I used to. And then I changed it to like the free account and it was like $3,000 you have to keep. And then I like removed all that money because I was like, this is stupid. Like I don't use it. Like you don't use the account or you don't use the perks that come with that account? Yeah, I didn't use the perks. What I liked about that account, though, was you could withdraw money at the FX rate in any ATM like in the world. So it was really good for traveling. Mm, yeah, that is. Yeah, but that credit card rebate could be handy. I mean, like it's $200, so it depends on what else you would have spent your money on, too. what do you mean? Like that's the benefit? Yeah, usually it's, I don't know, like up to the annual fee of $200. I think they do put a cap on like how much they cover for your credit card. So if your credit card was an annual fee of $250, they would only cover like $200 of it. Right, but it has to be a TD card, right? Yeah, and I think similar with Scotia, but they cover like $139. Because I have a Scotia Visa card and I was like looking into one of the Scotia accounts. But I just like didn't know if it was worth it to put like $5,000 in a checkings account just to have them like, not, or just to not pay an annual fee of $139. Yeah, that's actually true. I guess it depends on the amount of rewards that you'd be getting out of that credit card compared to the amount of interest that you would have otherwise earned. So for example, if we do like 5,000 times 1.7%, interest for the year, that's around $85 if we just do a simple interest calculation. So if you're getting more value than that, then it's probably worth it. Hmm. Yeah, maybe, I guess. Yeah. I'm just always worried with those two is that you have to keep a minimum balance of 5000 and I think there's like you have to set up bill payments and stuff too. Having too many bank accounts is sometimes not that easy to handle. I don't know how some people do it. Yeah, I agree. It, it can get tedious, and I think you just have to be super organized. Do you know what deposit insurance is? Is it insurance where if you don't have enough money in your account, they or they won't let someone withdraw it or something? Like they'll make sure that you always have money in your account? That's a really good guess. But what you're talking about, I think, is called overdraft protection. But I can see why those terms can be confused. Since we're on the topic of it, Overdraft protection is what you described. For a fee each month or pay per use, the bank will let you go into a negative balance. So for example, if you have $100 in your checking account, but you have a $500 bill that's automatically deducted, then the bank will allow you to go into a negative balance, the 400 negative, and then they charge you interest on the amount of your account that's overdrawn. So the interest rate on this is about 20%, which is very close to credit card debt. So just know that it's not great to use this. The other thing that can happen when your account goes into overdraft is an NSF fee. So that stands for not sufficient funds. And it's around $40, but it depends on the bank. And this means that the money doesn't come out of your account and you just get stuck with this fee. Mm, Okay. And what deposit insurance is, is that it protects your savings if your bank fails. 
So this is run by the Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is a crown corporation. And basically they insure most deposits up to $100,000. And if your bank is a CDIC member, then that means that you're covered. Okay. And Tangerine, I think, is a CDIC bank. EQ Bank is one as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't bank with a bank that is not part of it. (laughs) I would say that the majority of banks are CDIC members. Like, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a bank that is not. So next, let's talk about short to midterm investing. What would you consider to be like a short-term investment in terms of time horizon? Maybe something that lasts less than a year? Well, I was Googling around and Google said usually less than five years. (laughs) I mean, five years seems like a long time, but I guess that's short term. Yeah, like for us, it seems like a really long time. Typically, it means less than five years, but I guess you can determine like what time horizon you feel comfortable with. And in terms of short-term investing, like the best things to hold it in are things that are safe and things that you know will not decrease in value. So things like having a high interest savings account, bonds, GICs, like you mentioned, like a bond ETF. So those things will have guaranteed income and they will probably not depreciate in value. Whereas if you buy stocks or something like that, there's a chance that it will um, actually decrease in value. Yeah, these do seem to be the safest, like guaranteed safe. Yeah, exactly. Like guaranteed returns. And I guess this would be good if you need the money for something like, oh, like if you're saving up to buy a car, like a down payment, saving up for a vacation, something like that, because you don't want your money to be growing at like 0.2% a year. This will give you like a Definitely lower percentage than if you invested in something more risky, but you know that it's guaranteed return. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest, it wasn't my idea of short-term investing. So I guess my short-term investing was definitely not to, well, not not to put it in these, but it was also to put it into slightly more risky things. What do you mean more risky things? Like what did you put it in? Stocks. (laughs) Probably the riskiest. Were you choosing stocks or was it like ETFs? Uh, Choosing stocks. True. Yeah. Stock picking is a hobby for you, right? Yeah. And I think that's great if you're ready to spend the time and effort to analyze and you have that higher risk tolerance. I know that Warren Buffett advises people to buy the market, and that means diversify with ETFs rather than choosing stocks. But then again, it's up to your personal preferences, interests, and risk tolerance. Yeah, definitely. I know I'm taking a risk with stocks for sure. So, Vicky, what do you think were the key takeaways from this? I think I should actually work a little more on emergency fund just because it's moved into like a regular savings account now. So I should probably look into like EQ Bank, put it back into high interest savings. And I think with some of my monthly expenses changing now, like I've moved into a more expensive place, I should probably adjust it a bit to add a bit more into my emergency fund. And then maybe not be so risky with my short, my so-called short-term investing. Yeah. <laughs> And now the homework for this episode. The first thing you should do is set up an emergency fund if you haven't already. 
Even if it's contributing $100 out of your paycheck each time it comes in, it's best to start now with what you can. For example, if you contribute $100 biweekly at 1.7% interest rate for one year or 24 payments, it'll grow to $2,980 around or almost $3,000. And that's the power of compound interest. Next, if you pay monthly bank fees on your bank account, try to negotiate it down, switch accounts, or even switch banks because you don't need to be paying monthly fees. Third thing, consider opening a high-interest savings account for your short to midterm investing. And that brings us to the end of our show. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. No problem. I actually really love listening to your podcast. I'm learning a lot. Thank you so much. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy. Wealthy.